Today in Understanding Immigration, Harris visits the border. I think as long as Congress continues to, to just kind of ignore the problem uh, and, and to refuse to deal with what's going on at our border, we're going to keep having these kind of you know, seesaw effect of administrative actions taken at that level. Now, let's also note that it took her 93 days, Vice President Harris, you know, approximately three months to make it down to any portion of the border, which is completely unacceptable. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. I'm Preston Hennekins, FAIR's Government Relations Manager, and today I'm joined by Matthew Tregesser, our Press Secretary. In today's episode, we'll be discussing FAIR's recent rally at the southwest border, which attracted law enforcement and immigration reform activists from across the country. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to dive into Vice President Kamala Harris's visit to El Paso with the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. So, Matthew, the Harris trip came... Um, almost as a bit of a surprise, or, or at least it surprised me. Harris has said for weeks now that the border is not her problem. Uh, during her visit to Guatemala and Mexico, she specifically tried to clarify that she was tasked only with addressing the root causes of migration um, and, and said a number of things indicating that she did not want to go to the border or didn't feel like she needed to go to the border. Um, and if that is the case, then why did she go? Why did she go to El Paso? Yeah, that's a really great question, Preston. This was a very strange trip, to say the least. Uh, not only did it take Vice President Harris approximately three months or 93 days to visit the border in any capacity, she chose the wrong sector. Uh, she traveled to the El Paso sector rather than the Rio Grande Valley sector, which we all know is the epicenter of the Biden border crisis. Uh, instead, she was 800 miles away. Where apprehensions there so far this year are approximately 113,000 which is two and a half times less than what is currently being seen in the Rio Grande Valley sector, about 270,000 apprehensions so far. And we were just there in the Rio Grande Valley sector near McAllen, near Mission, Texas, just a couple months ago. We saw with our own eyes hundreds of unaccompanied minors and family units cross the Rio Grande River, uh, constant flows, and it really was the epicenter of this crisis. So yeah, she completely avoided it. And then even when she went to El Paso uh, in this sector, she didn't really accomplish much. You know, she met with NGO groups, open borders, uh, advocacy groups, and didn't really meet with Border Patrol personnel as much as she could have. Um, and when she did meet with the Border Patrol personnel, she spoke to agents about, quote, streamlining processing for migrants. Okay, so that's basically saying, how can we find a way to get as many legal aliens into the country as possible and then allow for their immediate release? So, yeah, and then also, you know, let's not forget, she didn't uh, visit the Fort Bliss detention facility a 10-like facility in the El Paso sector where more than 2,000 migrant teens remain in deplorable conditions. So, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Why? What was the purpose of going on this trip? Why now? Um, you know, honestly, maybe it was a dig at President Trump uh, and, and Texas Governor Abbott. I mean, they were going just a couple days later to, you know, believe it or not, the Rio Grande Valley where everyone should be going uh, right now. And maybe it was to steal some thunder or steal a spotlight from that trip. But yeah, it was just... Again, just like Guatemala, Mexico, really not uh, a, a good trip, to say the least. And it made her look bad. Another trip that was flopped. Yeah. And I, I think it really we need to emphasize that, again, the Rio Grande Valley is is number one in border apprehensions. They've had two and a half times as many 
um, apprehensions as, as El Paso. And, and I think also as well, it was interesting that President Biden's press secretary said that they were, that Harris was going to El Paso because it was, um, quote, it was the place where the former president put in some of his immigration policies that we felt were so problematic. So in another way, it almost seems, yeah, like you said, that she was going there just to emphasize that President Trump did things before on immigration that they dislike. And again, it just, it, it reminds me so much of what the Biden administration's policy on immigration has been, which is just to reflexively do the opposite of what President Trump did, um, even when the things President Trump did were successful. Yeah. And, you know, let's also note that it took her 93 days, Vice President Harris, you know, approximately three months to make it down to any portion of the border, which is completely unacceptable, not only for someone who's the vice president of the United States, but, you know, who's been kind of assigned this border czar type of role, which, by the way, it has the most vague, loose definition definition possible. I mean, it, it's constantly evolving. Uh, you know, as you mentioned first, was it to address the root causes of, of migration to the country? Or is it now dealing with southern border security and the apprehensions? I don't know. It, it seems like it's just a very vague and not really well thought out role. Yeah. And that's actually a great segue into a, another question that I wanted to ask you. And, and we'll kind of wrap this up on on Harris's visit. Um, but while she was down there, um, she was accompanied, obviously, by Secretary Mayorkas. And he said something very interesting in regards to, to their being there. He said, and, I, and I'm quoting now, I'm grateful for the uh, or to the vice president for leading the effort to tackle the root causes of irregular migration. We know what happens at the border is directly connected to the work of addressing the root causes of migration, poverty, corruption, violence, and a climate crisis. So it's interesting that the Biden administration, um, through, through Alejandro Mayorkas, continues denying that their actions have anything to do with the current crisis. You know, we, we obviously recognize that push factors in these countries exist. I don't think anyone's denying that. We certainly aren't. But, you know, they act like, like dismantling, um, successful safe third country agreements, um, gutting the migrant protection protocols had nothing to do with the record setting surge that we're seeing at the border. Um, and that's to say nothing of, Joe Biden, who campaigned for two years on the promise that he was going to amnesty every illegal alien in the country. I mean, they're they're almost putting on the blinders entirely when it comes to the pull factors that that the U.S. is giving out right now. Um, and they're relying so much on on the push factors, which, again, exist, but it's not it cannot explain what's going on right now entirely. Right. And this was just a totally outrageous claim by Mallorca. I mean, it's not surprising. He's been saying this kind of stuff uh, for months now, basically gaslighting the American public, misleading them. Um, but it's, it's definitely th this surge that we're seeing, again, 180,000 apprehensions last month, the largest total per month in 21 years. We're on pace practically to hit 2 million apprehensions this fiscal year. I mean, historic numbers. But again, this is directly attributed to their, the Biden administration's messaging and policies that basically eviscerate our southern border security, eviscerate interior immigration enforcement. Again, you look at the uh, ICE arrests and deportation numbers just recently. Uh, lowest uh, monthly deportations on record last month. Uh, it said that each ICE agent is currently averaging one arrest every two months. 
I mean, that's unacceptable given that we have, you know, more than 14 million illegal aliens in our country, probably a lot more now. Um, and so, yeah, when there's no Southern border security, again, with no wall construction, the halt of uh, the MPP program, not fully utilizing Title 42, and then you take away interior enforcement, you're not arresting people, you're not deporting people. I mean, that basically says, yeah, if you come here illegally, that's not a problem. So uh, this is not a usual seasonal increase or what we see every year. This is completely, uh, you know, mayhem and nothing that the country has ever seen before. Right, right. And um, unlike, I think, prior administrations that tried to at least put in policies in place to stop it, um, the Biden administration has done nothing, um, nothing of that kind. But um, with that in mind, I do now want to pivot uh, to an event that took place on um, Friday, June 25th. FAIR held a border rally attended by hundreds of citizen activists, uh, sheriffs from around the country, victims of illegal alien crime, um, and other supporters who were there to call for the Biden administration to take some necessary measures to end the crisis that we're, fi- that we're seeing right now. Uh, this occurred right at the U.S.-Mexico border um, in Arizona. And Matthew, you were down there at this event for most of the week. You were at the border for most of the week um, and attended the rally. Um, just tell us about what you saw down there and um, what those, you know, listening at home um, missed out if they haven't seen uh, our content on this already. Yeah, so this was a really just awesome event, to say the least. Um, we had several hundred uh, concerned Americans, activists, uh, state legislators from Arizona, former DHS officials, um, really just a, a wide range of backgrounds who have been, you know, concerned about the Biden border crisis and kind of where it's headed. Um, so the rally was kind of the first type of rally that occurred directly on the southern border wall. I mean, it was on the background there. Uh, we have to thank John Ladd and his ranch for allowing us to you know, sit up there. And it also marked kind of this start of, of this grassroots movement that, you know, people aren't just going to sit back and see what they're seeing, what's going on with, again, the record number of illegal alien apprehensions, the criminal gang um, proliferation, uh, drugs coming into the country. No one wants to sit back and just... Uh, do nothing. And so this was a great opportunity for people to voice their concerns, learn more about what's going on with the Biden border crisis, how we can stop it. Um, and I think it was a tremendous success for it being kind of the first event like this that Ferris sponsored and hosted. Yeah. And I think it's very important to highlight um, the the grassroots aspect of this uh, is is to, you know, we've been seeing this in polling where every month more and more people are saying, that even though they may um, give President Biden high marks on other aspects um, of his presidency, the border and immigration is a weak spot for him. And his mm-hmm. numbers are are tanking in that regard. And I think now you're seeing a number of, of just average citizens, everyday people who are looking at this and saying, we cannot let this continue. This is, this is obviously wrong. And they're calling, I think, on on the, the Biden administration to do something about it and not to just continue gaslighting them like uh, Mayorkas and Harris have been doing and telling them, no, it's, you know, it's not a crisis. It's not a big deal. You know, it's under control. You know, p- people aren't stupid. They're, they they have eyes. They have ears. They, right, they right. hear and see what is happening. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it's it's huge to emphasize the grassroots aspect of of the rally and and people from across the country coming in to to share uh, that view. No, absolutely. And it was also really impressive to see them not only come to this 
kind of remote portion of, you know, Southeast Arizona, you know, it was a multiple hour rally in the blazing heat over a hundred degrees. And it wasn't just people from, you know, the Tucson area or Phoenix area. I mean, they're coming from all around the country. And so, you know, now that, you know, this is kind of like the framework for future events, I'm sure that our organization can do, but also other organizations and really get people involved because at the end of the day, you know, we need the American public to vote people in and out, to voice their concerns, to be part of this movement. You know, we can really pressure uh, other organizations and members of Congress to make changes with immigration policy. But also, it's very important to get the American public, voters, and you know, concerned citizens involved as well. Absolutely. And, you know, at the rally, I know that um, many of the speakers listed, you know, a number of of things that the Biden administration could do to actually end this crisis. Um, and, you know, their recommendations, I think, mirror a lot of what FAIR has been saying in the past few months. Um, this includes, uh, I think, number one, the removal of Mayorkas as the DHS secretary, um, in addition to the, the completion of the border wall, um, where funding already exists for it from previous um, bills that have been passed, uh, the reinstatement of the migrant protection protocols. And I think just the end of, of catch and release, um, this was, this was reinstated by the Biden administration as soon as they took over. It's something that President Trump put an end to. And so, you know, I wanted to kind of ask you this thought experiment. Let's, let's assume that the Biden administration chooses to do one of these things. You know, they, they, they decide they're going to do something about it, but they're not going to do everything. Um, which of these do you think would have the biggest impact in reducing the number of illegal aliens who come to the border? Um, you know, many of them seeking asylum, many of them um, with claims that don't really have merit. You know, what of what of these suggestions do you think would have the biggest impact on what we're seeing right now at the border? So I, I would say definitely the migrant protection protocols, otherwise known as the Remain in Mexico policy. Uh, you know, I've, we've talked about this uh, program in previous episodes, we're in a couple op-eds on it, but to just give a refresher here, this program was implemented by the Trump administration in 2019 to essentially require asylum seekers applying for asylum in the U.S. to wait in northern Mexico until their court hearing date. And what was happening was people who would apply for asylum in the U.S., they'd get their court hearing date, but it might have been, you know, six months, nine months, a year down the road. They'd be told, hey, come back to your court hearing date. Many of these migrants don't show up because they know that they have a weak case and then they disappear and there's no way to really track them. So this was to avoid that. Um, and it worked. I mean, tens of thousands of people were uh, sent to northern Mexico until their court hearing date under the Trump administration. Uh, it not only reduced asylum fraud because people who had, you know, meritless asylum claims saw this program and thought, hey, you know, we're not going to come up to the U.S.-Mexico border and apply for asylum anymore. Uh, I don't want to weigh northern Mexico. I'm not really being persecuted by my government based on my you know, race, religion, nationality, political opinion, or membership to a particular social group. So it helped reduce asylum fraud. It deterred um, migrants who were coming here unlawfully as well. And again, it, it just kind of re restored integrity in our asylum system. Um, you know, again, we have such a big backlog that it shouldn't be taking months, if not years, to get these addressed. And they are right now because you have a lot of people who are using the U.S. political asylum for, you know, other purposes like you know, trying to find a better job or better wages or fleeing, um, you know, an abusive partner. And yeah, those are not fortunate situations, but they don't qualify for U.S. political asylum um, at all. So um, I thought that program was was one of the strongest immigration uh, 
policies programs put in place by the administration. I mean, it was quickly wiped out as soon as President Biden uh, entered the Oval Office. But I will say, you know, not only is this program, you know, it's it's shown to be very effective and useful, but th- you don't need Congress to be involved with this to get it implemented. I mean, this was done through an executive order, so you know, you can this can be done rather quickly to get it reinstated. So that's a big plus about uh, the MPPs that you know these other items may not uh, have. Yeah, I I agree with you on that on that point um, because so much of the issue right now is people seeking asylum um, with claims that don't really end up holding holding up in court um, in immigration court, and so you know this is why you know you know building the wall is important. Certainly, um, it's certainly important to stop you know drug smuggling, to stop human trafficking. Um, to, to force people to the ports of entry where they can actually be screened. But in terms of stopping the the numbers of people coming through, I think changing the asylum laws is, is so much more, that would have such a bigger effect than simply building a wall because, you know, we could build the wall, you know, 10 miles high, 10 miles deep and, you know, 50 feet thick. But um, if people can still come in, claim asylum and, wait with a work permit in the United States for two to three years, um, that doesn't change, you know, that doesn't really change the, the issue at all. Um, so I think changing, you know, changing the way that we handle asylum right now is so important. Um, and I will say, you know, yes, the, the migrant protection protocols were great, um, because the Trump administration was able to quickly implement them. Um, but you know, again, unfortunately, anything at the administrative level, can be quickly overturned by their, you know, by their successor. And I think that's one of the issues, um, not only that President Trump um, has run into now that he's out of office, but also President Obama. Um, many of his, um, many of his initiatives uh, were, were overturned by President Trump. And I think as long as Congress continues to, to just kind of ignore the problem uh, and, and to refuse to deal with what's going on at our border, we're going to keep having these kind of, you know, seesaw effect of administrative actions taken at that level. Right. I, I will say that, you know, is it likely that they'll implement any of these suggestions? No, I mean, we, we both know that. Um, but something has to change. I mean, these num- these apprehension numbers are not going down anytime soon. Um, and now it's not even just a, a Central America, you know, Mexico, uh, large migration issue. I mean, people are coming from all around the world, more than 160 countries reported in the last few months. So the word is out. And so some policy change is going to be needed. Will they listen to fair or other, you know, advocates calling for, you know, immigration reform, border security reform? We'll see, but it's unlikely they're headed down a completely different path. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with you on that point. Um, and I think that is probably um, as good a point as any to, to end today's episode on. Um, you know, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, as a reminder, these podcasts are available on most platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can learn more about FAIR and our mission by visiting our website, fairus.org, or by visiting our social media channels on uh, Twitter and Facebook. We will continue releasing new episodes every other Monday. Uh, And if you enjoyed the podcast, then we ask that you please subscribe to Understanding Immigration if you haven't already. Uh, We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Understanding Immigration presented by FAIR.